Welcome to Fostering Parenthood. This is a space to hear from other foster parents firsthand about how to support your foster youth with their healthy sexual development. I'm Dorothy Daniels, and I've been a mom and a foster mom for over 42 years. I'll be your host as we explore and even role play some of the best ways to talk to your youth about sex. Yep, I said sex. We will also talk about identity, boundaries, consent, and more so that together we can have these tough conversations with our foster youth. Hi, Kat. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Dorothy. Thank you for bringing me here. It's good to see you again. Well, I am so excited to have you because we're going to be talking about a big question today that a lot of folks ask. What defines a healthy relationship? We have a former foster youth here, Kat McKeon. She's going to be talking about her experience with developing relationships in foster care. Kat McKeon is a mental health support worker, a member of the Youth Advisory Board at the Reproductive Health Equity Project, and she hosts what? A podcast called Self Taught. Now, Kat, as a host of a podcast to another host of a podcast, I have such an important question for you. What do you do with your hair with these big old headphones that we have to wear? You're just going to dive into the important stuff like that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. We're getting into the important stuff. Um, well, I think that's been a big lesson that I've been learning along the way with other uh, slightly less important things like, you know, <laughs> being authentic and things like that. Oh, but, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Little stuff. Uh, yeah. 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 My hair has just changed in every single episode going out. My first, my hair's all red in the first one. And I hate it came out like that on accident. And I, I never fixed it because I was like, maybe nobody will recognize me if I do a really bad job because <laughs> I would never have red hair. I don't like it. I love it. Well, maybe I'll try that, right? <laughs> Trying we'll, a red <laughs> different color every episode. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Well, what do you do on Self Talk? What what is that podcast about? Self Taught is a podcast where we interview people who have been kind of affected somehow by the foster care system and then how that kind of interrelates with their other kinds of identities and how that's affected them growing up and we hope that it's going to be a chance for other people to hear those stories and feel inspired to support young people's healthy development, whatever role you have in their life. Um, and also for young people to hear those stories and also feel like a sense of comfort and connection in hearing other people's vulnerabilities and the things that they've gone through and maybe maybe learn something. Wow, those, that's really powerful. I know, you know, we can read all we want about life and, and, uh, you know, kind of get that opinion, but until you hear someone's life experience, um, in a way that's more visceral, right. That just really affects who you are, uh, change won't happen. So, um, congratulations on, on such an important podcast and, and I'm going to listen. So, well, let's get started with, um, kind of what we're tackling today. And that is, um, can you share with me how you learned uh, the difference between a healthy and an unhealthy relationship? Well, when I think about 
my lived experiences and how I've learned, I kind of always come back to this one story um, that was pretty much my my first like real adult love in life. And um, I'll just tell you the story and then we'll kind of go back through and dissect about what those learning moments were along the way, because I want I want you to kind of go with me and learn as I learned, you know. Um, yeah. Um, so in, in the beginning, I was just in a really like just a super vulnerable place. Um, I was on my way crawling out of basically like the lowest low I'd ever been. And I was just trying to do something with myself. And um, I started dating this guy who had been uh, part of my friend group for a very long time. Like we had known each other and um, things started to get romantic and um, I mean, we had nothing and slowly together, we grew together. We, um, got better jobs. I started going to school. We got a place to live and we, um, got a car, all the normal adult functioning members of society, things that we never thought we were going to have for ourselves. And I think I kept growing and he didn't. And I think that sort of created this divide between us and it made him sort of resentful and, um, I think that slowly started to come out, not resentful. I think it made him really insecure too. Mm. And that sort of slowly came out through little actions. Like I always remember one of these like core memories of us driving. We shared a car and so we're driving to take me to my English final exam. And he's telling me, you know, that all our friends don't really like you. They're just they're just pretending to like you because they don't want to hurt your feelings. They're just trying to be nice. But this is all the things that they say about you behind your back. And I'm like, okay, please stop. You know, and he's not, he's just helping me because he's telling me, don't you want me to be honest with you? And who would not want that? Right. And so eventually it turns into like full blown panic attack. And of course he's there to comfort me because even though you're so awful and nobody can love you, I love you. And then I think, I'm so lucky that this one person <laughs> finds a way to love me through all of this, right? So that's just like one microcosm for little things that I look back on and I realize how twisted that really is. So that continued for a while. And then he got really sick. He got, um, he had like a one inch by one inch tumor, gastrointestinal, blah, blah, blah. And so that just became like the justification for his mistreatment and his I just called it being a jerk. I didn't call it abuse then. And uh, drug use and all of those things just tied together. And then I think along the way, everyone had always been telling me, including the, my ex, he, we all knew that I was too good for that. And everybody would tell me that I deserved better, right? But it just didn't do anything to me because I just felt like that was my expression of love is that even though I deserve better, I'm going to stick around for you. So one day I had a chance to be one-on-one -on -one with a friend of ours, a mutual friend that actually saw firsthand the situation and knew. And I finally said, like, what do you think of all this? Like, I just, I can't make heads from tails. And the friends was like, you know what I think? I, I just can't even believe that you could be so stupid to believe all these things. And, and he laid into me Ouch. and yeah. <laughs> and you know, as I, I mean, he just really did not hold anything back, letting me know how dumb I was being, but it was what I needed because he wasn't telling me 
you are too good compared to this person, right? That ex was my foil. He made me look better in comparison. And I think I just needed, I held on to that because that boosted my self-confidence. Whereas this friend had flipped that script and he said, you are lowering your own value by putting up with this and allowing this to happen to you and, you know, not sticking up for yourself you could be better. So for that, I was totally willing to take a risk. And that was when I, that night, really just hands down, no argument, I'm done, walked away, and I didn't come back. And um, yeah, I, I'm not angry at that friend at all. The my, only resentment I have over that is that he waited that long to tell me that. <laughs> Darn you. Where were <laughs> yeah. you when I needed you? Yeah. Yes, you know, exactly. So oh, yeah. Kat, what part of being a foster youth yourself do you think um, allowed that to happen? Or do you feel that that's related? Um, yeah, I, well, I think I'm, I've always been sort of like naive and stuff and probably just a lot of issues with like attachment and not wanting people to leave. So I put up with all those things. Um, oh, plot twist, forgot to mention this. But before I get too far ahead, plot twist, as you would imagine in an abusive relationship, there was a lot of like harassing and stalking and stuff going on. And um, I don't know, maybe you want to cut this part out later. But one day and I've just for years have had these little moments of these little epiphanies of like, that's not really how that happened. Like my reality was twisted in that. And um, sorry to take you off track. I just want to make sure I finish. No, my this is cool. You've got me on the edge of my seat. Do it. Yeah. So I have these little epiphanies all the time about like, that wasn't even reality, right? That was his reality that he gave me. And I woke up one morning and I was like, he never had cancer. And boom, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't tell you sooner. Stop it. Yes. So he didn't have yeah. cancer? Nope. He faked it. And I just, I was so trusting and naive. And it's, it embarrasses me to this day in a lot of ways, but also in a lot of ways, you know, I don't know. People are like, how could you believe that? And I'm like, because who lies about that? You know? Yeah, <laughs> so that don't, was... don't, don't put this on you, girl. This is, this is not you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of lessons learned, a ton of them. Um, so mm -hmm. yes, that was the thing that I, after so much harassment and everything, I've just messaged him. I know you fake cancer. Leave me alone or I'm going to tell everybody. And I have not heard from him since. So that worked. Oh, it didn't that... work to blackmail him to get, give me my money back, but you know, <laughs> it was an expensive lesson learned. I'm doing ouch. better now. Another ouch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad. But, you know, so I, I think about, you know, we all get into unhealthy relationships. That's just who we are, right? We're, we're especially those of us that are empathetic. Most caregivers like me, too, we kind of live a life of trying to help people. Um, and, and we kind of probably step over those boundaries um, that we should keep for ourselves um, just to keep ourselves healthy. Uh, just purely because we want to help. Um, and and so I'm wondering, you know, as a foster kiddo, when it comes to role models, like how, you know, who you looked at for those, those positive relationships, did you have anybody? You know, I was seeing a counselor, a school counselor about this relationship that I was talking about. Like, I just don't know why I can't make it work. Like, he's a really nice guy. And, and she, without even questioning that was like, well, do you have any positive role models? And I thought about it and I was like, 
No, not even one. I can't think of one ever of relation, like healthy romantic relationships. And like, she was like, um, you know, it, it's not a free pass, but now you can give yourself a little bit of grace and at least you can look for some tools to move forward and help you with that. And so that's something that I've definitely held on to. I think that's really important. Um, and I think our caregivers need to understand that, right? That a lot of our kids, because they feel not up to par, you know, they're, they, I mean, just your typical youth feel like they don't fit in, but foster youth so much more. And, and as caregivers, we watch these kids kind of fumble their way through relationships. And, and do you think that modeling healthy relationships is maybe something that's a good uh, tool for them, for the kiddos? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, not only is that important, it's also something that is not something that most families would do consciously, right? Mm -hmm. But because there's a, there's a lacking there that we need to make an extra effort to acknowledge that that's needed. And I also think that we try to protect young ones, no matter what, we try to protect them from seeing conflict with adults. And I think within reason, I don't think we should be protecting them. I think we should be showing them the conflict and the resolution and how we go about fixing those problems, not necessarily keeping it behind closed doors with, oh, you know, some Yeah, such good advice. Even uh, using techniques like mirroring, you know, like, you know, oh, I hear your feeling, right? Just to kind of check and balance that you're on the same page would be really helpful tools. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So how do you think trauma, you know, which we know foster kiddos suffered from trauma and your own trauma um, might play into some of the behaviors in choosing the relationship, even the relationship that you shared with us? You know, I think life traumatizes us all, but I do, I do agree fair. that when That's you fair. have that, yeah, <laughs> um, I think when you have that foster kid background, that label, there's a higher probability, I'll say, of some of that big T trauma. And um, for me, there's, I could go on and on about the different like nuances of all of those things. But for me, what really made me vulnerable in that particular situation is that I have always been exceptionally bad at being alone. And I safety, my safety has always been so important to me. And so I overlooked a lot of things that would have been red flags in that relationship because my, I was in a tough spot where my actual physical safety was at a very high risk. And so I attached myself to somebody that I just wanted a guard dog, you know? So I attached myself to somebody who's big and tough and mean, hoping that they would do that stuff for me and um put me put me uh in a tough spot yeah kind of traded right traded one bad for another yeah absolutely um, so your happy ending may not be yeah. your final happy ending but are you in a healthy relationship now oh yeah absolutely best relationship i i could have i couldn't have dreamt it better absolutely just super healthy and it's been going on um we've been together like a year and a half going on like two years roughly and so we're not in the honeymoon phase but just getting better all the time oh I'm so happy for you I love happy endings what <laughs> well Kat I want to thank you so much for spending time on fostering parenthood 
and just sharing with us what healthy relationships we hope to instill in our kids uh, that we care for um, by what you've shared with an unhealthy we know kind of those traps right that our kids can get in and i want to wish you all the luck with your wonderful podcast and all the good that you're doing well thank you so much this podcast is brought to you by the national center for youth law which works to create a world in which every young person can achieve the future they envision for themselves The podcast is sponsored by the Office of Population Affairs. Contents are solely the responsibility of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of the Department of Health and Human Services or the Office of Population Affairs. I'm your host, Dorothy Daniels, Executive Director of Foster Unity, an organization acting as an active support system for caregivers and foster youth. We couldn't have done it without our podcast producer, Chloe LaValle, our social media lead, Alexa Weissar, Fostering Unity Director of Operations, Dana Fryer, and our Senior Program Associates from Nickel, Niara Stansberry, and Jess Marino. Music is by John Frerich, and graphics are by Taylor Poliska. Thank you to all listeners. Follow us, share us with your friends and your family. Go to fosteringparenthood.buzzsprout.com to learn more about the podcast. Email us with questions, comments, and feedback at email at fosterreprohealth.org. Foster parenting can be very lonely, but you are never alone. Fostering Parenthood is here to support you.